Rising Star is a little scary <laughs> to introduce myself that way. Um, yeah, my name, my name is Ken, and I know you're thinking in your head, why is there a 15-year-old up on stage? Uh, what's going on? Is he a teen mentor program? What is this? And uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm a lot older than I look. Um, I actually, I do want to share a little bit about myself, just so you know who I am, because sometimes there could be a little distrust, right? And so um, I am over at the Santan campus. I oversee uh, the student ministries there and also here on the Chandler campus. I'm kind of new. I'm, um, I'm overseeing the junior high, junior high program as well as the interim, so which is a lot of fun. So thank you so much for the car wash. If you're going to be there, we'd love for you to be there um, and bring as many cars. Just take advantage of us as possible, all right? Um, I also uh, graduated from ASU, born, raised in the valley, love Cornerstone. We are so blessed to have a church. Uh, like Cornerstone here, even in college and everything. I, I just always looked up to Cornerstone, always came here, invited friends here. I mean, just an awesome, awesome place. And it's, it's really a blessing for me to really be on staff now. Um, I went to ASU and then I finally, uh, I went to Fuller Seminary. I got my master's in theology there, uh, which is exciting. And I have two little girls, uh, one and two. The two-year-old we, uh, is our foster daughter. And we just found out on Friday uh, that uh, we're going to be able to adopt her, which is really exciting. And and a huge, yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, just a huge blessing on on, uh, on our family and everything. And the reason why I say that too is because sometimes uh, when I say, hey, yeah, I have a one and two year old, immediately in your head you think, uh, you start doing the math, right? You're like, wait, what? You you just didn't rest, huh? So I just I had to pitch, put in, a, hey foster daughter real quick as well. So uh, super excited to be here. I do want to pray as well. Is that all right? So let's uh, open up with a word of prayer again and um, let's dive right in. Uh, Lord, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much uh, for this time together. And uh, Lord God, it's, it's incredible that people are able to gather on a free uh, evening, God, um, to free up their time and, and really to learn more about you. And so Lord God, I just pray that the words that I'm speaking not be of me, man, Lord, but, but of you. Holy Spirit, just work in this place. Um, allow whatever you need to be said, be said. Uh, soften all our hearts here, and we pray this in your name. And everybody says, amen, amen. So we're diving into Acts here, and uh, it's, it's super exciting. You guys spent six months in Acts, and we're going to end today. Yeah, everybody, just a round of applause, light at the end of the tunnel, this is good. How many people were here for the entire six months? Oh, okay, yeah, about uh, 30, 40% of you, which is exciting. Um, so I, I do really want to uh, recap a little bit of what Acts is about, um, and the reason why is because six months of Acts, it is a long time, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming not everybody was here every single week, right? Um, and so Acts is really important to recap, and just as a heads up, um, just some background information of Acts and everything, is that um, a lot of... Scholars, when they talk about Acts, it's typically, uh, when you're looking at um, research articles or, or anything about uh, Scripture, they actually call Acts, Luke-Acts, is what they call it. It's just Luke-Acts. Any, anybody happen to know why that is or want to take a stab at it? I, I think there's a question. There's a mic or something that's supposed to be running around. Oh, there it is. Anybody, anybody know why Luke-Acts... Because Luke wrote it. That's right. Because Luke wrote it. Um, in, in fact, um, if you were to look back, it seemed like Luke and Acts were actually the same document. 
Luke and Acts were together. And it seemed like what happened was uh, Luke, the gospel of Luke was kind of separated from Acts just to, just to organize the canon a little bit better. And, and uh, it, that's, that's kind of what happened. And so that's really important to remember. Now, the reason why I say that is this. Luke ends... With, with something, it's not like this giant battle scene, right? Like you see in Hollywood. It's just like, it's just Jesus went up in the sky and that was it. That, that, that was it. And, and you're kind of left wondering as, as a reader, as someone who's, who's looking through this, you're like, oh, that was kind of like anticlimactic. All right, he floated away. What, what kind of happened here? And it's important to remember that because Acts is a continuation of Luke. Right? In fact, um, you'll see, um, remember in Luke, it talks about in the beginning, hey, um, I'm, Luke is writing, my excellent Theophilus is what he says, right? And Theophilus is, is kind of this guy, some scholars would say, hey, he kind of sponsored Luke to do a lot of research or, um, or interview people in order to put the gospel together. Um, and that's, that's a lot of fun. And so for those of you who, who haven't read through um, Acts yet, it's, I love even to talk to, to new believers or anything, hey, read Luke and Immediately following that, just read Acts. It just goes together. Now, six months of this, let's, let's, let's see if you actually learn something, all right? And I think uh, I was watching a little bit uh, of trying to catch up with you guys, and I know Bill kind of did this a little bit, but so far, now that we're at the end, I'm curious if you knew and understood what the theme of Acts is either the theme, the overall theme of Acts, or something that you can apply in your life that you feel was, oh man, this is definitely what Acts is about. Does anybody have something, a thoughts, a theme, and this is a test, and you are graded on it? The reactions of the first apostles. The actions, the actions of the first apostles. That's good. What else? Yes. The Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Acts of the Holy Spirit, yeah. I love in Acts 2, just this awesome time where the walls are shaking, the Holy Spirit's coming down, and it just people are being saved left and right. I love that. Yeah, Acts 2, yeah. What else? I'm going to run all the way down here now. People doing stuff outside their comfort zone. It sounds like you were kind of convicted a little bit too, right? Stepping outside your comfort zone to do that, yeah. That's good. What else? How the church first started, yeah. And, and that's, a lot of the times, that's why I love talking about Luke and then Acts. Luke is kind of talking about the previous, um, you know, the past. And Acts, is, for me, it feels like it's a continuation of that. And it feels like sometimes that, that our church, um, the, the universal church, the churches all around the world, right, are a continuation of what Acts is doing. So, yeah, I love that. What else? Yes. The power of witnessing, yeah. And I know uh, David talked a little bit about that uh, last week, and we're going to talk more about that this week as well. That's good. Anybody else? All right. Um, let me give you a quick recap, and I love this. Um, actually, in the beginning, so if you open up your Bibles to Acts 1, um, and then in the end, we're going to obviously turn to, uh, I'm responsible for 22 all the way to 28 today, all right? So um, I'll just read it and we'll be done. Just kidding. 
We're not just going to read all of it. So Acts 1.8, and this is a, a, a great general guideline of what Acts was about. Okay, Acts 1.8, and it touches a lot of what uh, some of you guys talked about here. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on... What's that next word there, by the way? On you. Okay, so remember this, all right? So it's not us alone in this church, right? It's not us alone when we witness the Holy Spirit is guiding us, okay? So don't be fearful when we do that. The Holy Spirit's guiding us. By the way, um, what, what is interesting as well is that um, Jesus is saying, hey, by the way, you disciples, you apostles, you're going to do greater things than I have. And isn't that amazing? And some theologians are, are kind of thinking, whoa, whoa, well, that just applies to the apostles because the apostles are raising people and healing people and stuff. But I actually think that even to us, Jesus is saying we can do even greater things than Jesus has. And I'm not talking about putting on some sort of magic show, all right? What I'm saying is that Jesus, when he witnessed, right, it was just in a little area. And what we're able to do is to spread the gospel, the good news around the world, even greater things. More people would know through us when we're obedient to what God has done, what Jesus has done. So let's, let's uh, continue, sorry. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my, next word, witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, a quick recap of all this, um, Acts 1-8 gives you an outline of what Acts is about. In, in Acts uh, 1 through 7, you have uh, this, the, how the gospel is spreading in Jerusalem. Remember, somebody here talked about the Holy Spirit just empowering these groups of people and empowering us today in Jerusalem. And it continues to spread to Judea and Samaria in Acts 8 through 9. And then... To the Gentiles. The Gentiles, by the way, are, are just non-Jews, right? Um, and to the ends of the earth, right? So uh, that's Acts 10 through 28. That, that's the entire outline of Acts. That's it. That's your cliff notes, right? When you go home, what did you learn about Acts in these past six months? You just reference, oh, let me look in the Bible, Acts 1-8. That's where it is, right? And let me tell you why this is so important. Any good movie... Any good uh, book, any good um, drama, any good theater show, always in the introduction create some sort of tension. Anything. One of my favorite movies is Taken, right? And just in the first maybe 10 minutes, the introduction, right? The tension is, anybody here, by the way, seen Taken? Yeah, is it? yeah that's good. I love Taken. I threaten people using that taken voice. Um, in, in that beginning part, the tension is this. It's the question that, that they want the audience to be able to, to, to dive into, to, to invest into. It's that tension, right? And the tension, the question is this. It's um, how is this loving father supposed to get back her daughter? It's the tension. And so we're watching throughout this entire movie that question being solved. Right? Um, same thing with um, American Sniper. 
right? And I've only seen it once in the, in the theaters, but American Sniper, I, I, I believe the tension is this. The question is this, that, that uh, the directors and the writers are trying to solve is this. How can a pinpoint accurate sniper balance his experience overseas with home? And so we're drawn into this. And I love in Acts, we're kind of drawn into this, that Jesus kind of leaves this tension, right? Through, through the gospel, through the writer of Luke, this tension of, of this. How is it possible for me, any of us, to witness to the ends of the earth? How is that possible? Jesus, how is it possible that, that you're calling me to say, hey, you're going to do greater things than, than you have ever done? You're, why are you calling me to do that? It's the tension. Right? And then those are Jesus' last words, by the way. Luke, or Acts 1-8, according to Luke. And, and so this is so important. If it's his last words, it's something so important. Um, there's another verse that's kind of similar to this. In Acts 1-8, it's in Matthew 28. It's, it's the Great Commission. Have you heard of that? Last words of Jesus as well. Kind of similar. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you. Don't forget that. Always to the very end of age. That's our purpose. That's why Acts was there, a continuation of Luke. That's why we spent six months doing this. And I'm trying to wrap everything up in a pretty bow, and I cannot believe they trust me to do that. But that's it. How can we do that? How is that possible? So, um, Acts 22 through, through 28, that's the end of Acts. And, and of course, it's, it's hard for me to do um, expository teaching through that. And what that means is verse by verse teaching. I kind of love doing that. But at the same time, that's, that's a lot to go through. And so unfortunately, what I'm going to do is, is kind of give you an outline of what's happening. And we'll focus on that. How is it possible to witness to everyone? How is it possible for the gospel to spread throughout the world? So let me give you a quick overview of, of all this. Remember, this is Paul sharing the gospel, right? This is sharing his testimony through this entire thing. And what's happening now is that Paul was in a little bit of trouble right now. Because if you understood Acts in the Roman Empire during that time, um, and what I love is that Jesus kind of, and God and the Holy Spirit, kind of picked the right time for Jesus to appear here on earth. I don't know if you realize that. The Roman Empire was the most incredible thing that happened to the gospel. It's where the Romans are kind of saying, hey, you all have to speak Greek. The Roman Empire was kind of saying, hey, we're going to pave all the roads so it was easier for the gospel to be spread. God knew the exact point in history where Jesus was going to come down. And so Paul is sharing this, and, and you'll see a lot of this tension as you continue reading through this, the New Testament. This tension between Jews and that other word, Gentiles. 
And there's this, this, this tension. And I, I love, um, there's, it's funny because, well, I kind of think it's funny where, where, uh, these Romans were becoming, uh, Christian and all of a sudden the church is like, hey, by the way, I know you're like 40, you gotta get circumcised first. Can you imagine that? Like, you gotta get baptized, circumcised. Mm, I don't, so the guys are like, whoa, hold on, hold on right there. So it was that tension. That was happening. And this is the beginning of that tension. So we're going to read a little bit. Um, actually, first, uh, I can't just start at 22. I got to start at 21. So let's read a little bit. Acts 21, 27. That's where we're going to start. And it says this. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us! This is the man who teaches everyone, everywhere, against our people and our law and this place. Okay? And besides, he has brought Greeks, non-Jews, Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. Remember, Jews, Gentiles. They have previously seen, that's not a common name, Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. And Paul made everybody so mad. Look at how mad that Paul got people. The whole city was aroused. The entire city was aroused. And the people came running from all the directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut, and they locked him. And while they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and the soldiers, oh, they stopped being, beating Paul. They stopped. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd started shouting one thing and some another. Since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that kept following, the crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. Paul made some people mad. I don't know if you have ever done anything before where the city is in uproar, that is mad. Paul is in deep trouble right now. And the quick recap of what's happening beyond here is this, is that Paul is traveling. And now, I don't, I'm sure there's nobody here from the ancient times who understands the Roman judicial system, right? Uh, it's kind of similar, if you remember, with Jesus. Remember when they were trying Jesus? And it went from Herod to Pontius Pilate to Herod and then Pontius Pilate again? That's exactly what's going on here. And so you'll see Paul going from one court to the Sanhedrin, right? The leaders of, of Israel from there. And then he's, they're going over to uh, the Roman governor. And then they're going to the king, the emperor. And it just keeps going and going and going. And it's just Paul sharing his testimony, sharing his time, sharing, hey, this is what I did. I didn't do anything wrong. 
And to make matters worse for the Romans, the Romans were kind of like Americans. We got rights, right? That's, that's what Paul, that's what the Romans were saying. And the Romans kind of had, Paul was a Roman. Um, he, he actually had rights. And so he couldn't be in trial without knowing what he did wrong. And so that's what the court was trying to figure out. See, in, in the temple, separating the court from the Gentiles from the other courts, right? Remember the holy temple? You guys remember that? Uh, remember, uh, there's the holy of holy. I mean, this is where the, all the Jews from, from everywhere decided to worship in this temple. There was this wall that was separating the court of the Gentiles from the other courts. And, and on that wall, there was actually an inscription on it. And on that in- inscription, it says, On this wall, um, no foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. And anyone who is caught so doing will have himself to blame for his ensuing, ensuing death. And so Paul, the missionary, the guy who was taking risks, going outside his comfort zone, was like, hey, you want to go to church? Oh, come on in. It's, it's fine. Let's go. And all the Jews were like, whoa, you're defiling the church. This place is sacred. And you're taking these unclean people in here. Um, and actually, again, in Ephesians, it, it kind of talks about this. Uh, remember, as, as the letters progress, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles were kind of, uh, kind of, all right, I guess if we're brothers, if we had to, I guess we had to hug, right? And so in Ephesians, it kind of talks about this, this wall. Ephesians 2.14 says this, For he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and had destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So, eventually there's peace, but right now there isn't. Right? And that's the introduction of, of really what the remaining portions of, of what Acts is about, traveling back and forth. He gets shipwrecked. This is funny when, when if you continue to, to read it. He gets shipwrecked, and it's, it's kind of fun. And then uh, all of a sudden, he's on the—you can't make this up. This is why I know the gospel is true, because you know Luke is kind of writing in here, and he's like, this is a funny story. There's no reason for it, because all of a sudden, he's, they're on this abandoned island, and then all of a sudden, there's this fire that's happening, and Paul's hand is there. This is the end of Acts. And all of a sudden, a snake bites Paul's hand, and it says the snake is just dangling on his hand. I just think that's funny. And it's dangling, and everybody's like, oh man, he done messed up, right? He's gonna die. And then it just said, he didn't die. And then it just said, he must be a god. And that was the end of the story. <laughs> and so Luke is like, this is, this is great. This is good stuff. I don't know why I'm gonna put it in there. You can't just make that stuff up. You know, like, like Luke is actually doing, doing his work to enter that in. So, let's continue on. Acts 23. Let's go there. Acts 23. Um, he's before the Sanhedrin. Uh, which is the Jewish council. And it says this, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, my brothers, I have fully filled my duty to God. He's defending himself in all good conscience to this day. At this point, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him in the mouth. Again, hostility. 
Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, and yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck? Those who were standing near Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? Now, stop there. Remember the theme of Acts? It's to share the gospel. Somehow Paul is sharing the gospel here. Is he being successful? Yes or no? And how many people think Paul is being successful in sharing the gospel? Raise your hand if you think he's doing a good job. One person, two people. All right, good. How many people are like, that should not be in the gospel sharing manual? Raise your hand. One per- That doesn't make any sense. There's three votes here. This is not... <laughs> We're not voting for president here, all right? We got to get more voter turnout. Uh, no, it's it, it's in human terms. They're like, yeah, Paul, you're not doing a good job. You're making more people mad. And what's amazing is this. At the end, again, we're going to skip because we got to run through a lot. Um, they pull him away. Verse 10 here. The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul will be torn to pieces by them. Again, making people mad. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. And that following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem. So you must also testify in Rome. I'm kind of scratching my head here. This entire city is on a manhunt for Paul. And then he's going before the, the, uh, the Sanhedrin, and, and he's making them even more mad, so where the Roman soldiers are trying to break them up. And all of a sudden, he got word from God, hey, you're doing a good job in sharing the gospel in Jerusalem. Now do the same thing in Rome. The tension. How do we witness to the rest of the world? And I believe here it's just try. Let's do it. Let's go out and make mistakes. Let's go out. Let's, let's make people mad. Let's have them, oh my goodness, ask questions we don't even know. See, a lot of the times, uh, especially when, it, when I was going in seminary, there, there are people who are like, all right, before I go minister, before I talk to people, before I need to share the gospel, I need to know front and back of what the Bible is about, and then also read all the, the, the theologians and everything before I can go out. And share the gospel. And here's Paul like, well, I just make people mad. And I learn from it. And and remember, even in the woman at the well, remember this? The woman at the well, what did she do? Did she, all right, I'm going to go get my master's. I'm going to go join a small church. I'm going to go to the mine for six months and learn about Acts, right? The woman at the well didn't do that. The woman at the well was this loose woman who had multiple husbands. And what happened? She, uh, you learned this word, she repented, I think this past week. She turned, she did that 180, and she went out 
witnessed about God, shared the gospel, and the entire town was changed. No master's degree, didn't go to Bible college. She was changed. Why? Holy Spirit. Jesus has equipped us. And and here's Paul opening up. All right, Lord, lead me, guide me. It continues on. Um, <clears throat> Paul is incredible. Because, and, and, and I didn't read through this because we're going to read through this in the end again as well, but, but Paul is sharing his testimony. Who here knows what a testimony is? Give me a good definition of what a testimony is. We're going to have some mics come up. And I, I want at least three definitions. Somebody just give me a... The definition of what a testimony is. It's your, uh, it's your personal story how God entered your life and, and uh, changed your life for the good. Yeah, it's your personal story. What else? Your testimony. And it doesn't have to be biblically uh, Bible-related either. I mean, what's the general definition of, of testimony? Okay, right here. Testify God's goodness in your life and where he brought you from. That's good. I like that. That's good. What else is a testimony? One more. At least one more. It's all right. We're not here to judge, and if we do, we're not doing well. Yeah. I think that if we think about when we say for giving testimony in court, it's to give a witness to the truth. Yes. Yeah, good job. A, a, a witness to the truth. That's good. That, that is, that is what, all what a testimony is. You, you see, um, when we talk about testimonies, a lot of the times when we say share the gospel like Paul is doing, being uh, unafraid as someone was saying what Acts is about, right? Um, and actually, come to think about this, Acts 1.8 um, when we go back to that and when we recap what Acts is, what it is a movement. It's kind of like saying, hey, um, how the movement started in Phoenix and it spread to Arizona and then it spread to, um, you know, North America and then to the ends of the earth. And so what's happening here is, is how Paul is doing that and, and that's what we should do. And a lot of the times we think, oh, you know, Pastor Lynn's got that. How about this? Have you guys ever heard, oh, that's, that's not my spiritual gift? What other excuses do we have to not evangelize? What are, maybe not your personal excuses, because we can't confess in church apparently sometimes. What are some excuses that friends have to not, or a friend of a friend to not evangelize? What are, what are some excuses that you heard before? I, I didn't mean to call you guys out like that. What are, what are some excuses that you heard before of why people don't share the gospel. Just that somebody's going to ask us a tough question we don't know the answer to. Yeah, a tough question that we don't know the answer to. And I don't know if I answer that, but um, it, it's okay to say I don't know. It's okay to say that. I don't know, but I will find out and I'll get back to you. It's always a good one. All right, what else? What are other excuses? Their life is imperfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, those hidden sins that we, that we have, right? We come to church, we're all happy, and then, you know, it's, uh, I, I need to get my life 
right first. Yeah, that's good. What other excuses are there? Hello. I, I have right. one. Um, sometimes it's your upbringing. A lot of times when I was learning about the Bible, I'd say to my mom, I'd tell her a story, and she goes, I know. And I'd say, why didn't you tell me? And she says, no, that's between me and God, and you're not supposed to share. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys heard that a lot? Uh, I, I see some nods. Oh, it's between me and me and God. You know, it's, it's poor, uh, poor taste to talk about politics and religion, right? But how about this? If we truly believe that scripture is real, if we truly believe that Jesus is real, if Jesus is real, then guess what? Satan has to be real. Uh, how about this? If, if angels are real, then that means demons are real. If heaven is real, then hell is real. And in Scripture, if we're going by Scripture, what does it say? It says, uh, Jesus is saying, hey, hey, uh, by the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one can come to the Father except through me. No one. And a lot of the times what we rely on is, oh, maybe, well, Pastor Lynn got that. But if we truly believed and cared about our coworkers, our family, and everybody else, that we would truly believe or truly share what the gospel is truly about. And if not, then maybe something in here needs to change, doesn't it? I mean, how can we say, oh, my goodness, uh, that, that's, you know, I, 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 I don't want to be uncomfortable. No, be uncomfortable. And, and I think part of this is, is my passion of mine because my grandmother died without knowing Christ. And I remember when I was a young kid, I looked at my mom and I told her, um, hey, we should talk to her about Jesus because our family didn't really grow up Christian. We were more of like a Buddhist than anything else. And my, my, my mom looked at me and said, why don't you go ahead and do it? And I did it. And two weeks later, she passed away. And that's always on my heart, and that's something that I always carry. And it's obviously, it's, it's not on me, and if anybody else is in that situation, that's fine. God, I don't know if God has a plan B, we just know about his plan A. And from that point forward, I said, anybody I encounter, I'm going to do whatever it takes to share Christ. Because life is short. Why make excuses? And, and it, this past weekend, we had a friend day. And I, there's always complaints about friend day, right? Oh, the parking lot. Oh, goodness. Right? Remember when that wasn't paved over there two weeks ago? Oh, that means I got to wake up another 10 minutes earlier to go to church. You go in, oh, someone's sitting in my seat. Oh, Pastor Lynn's not even preaching out of the Bible. It's interviewing some sort of football player. I don't even watch football. I'm not not even going to go. I'm going to go to the mine. Anybody want to confess to that? And and how about when we confess to uh, uh, purple chair stories, building campaign, of course the church wants more money, of course this and that. 
that's because our heart isn't right. Uh, our heart isn't right. The, the reason why we do that as cornerstone is because of, of Acts 1-8, right? It, it's because we are not satisfied until every single person in Chandler, in Arizona, in America, and the rest of the world do not die without knowing Christ. And if there's still one sinner out there who does not know Jesus, our job isn't there yet. You can clap to that. That's fine. All right. That's all right. I know we're not Pentecostal or anything. That's all right. We could do that if we want to applause. That's why we do that. I mean, can you imagine why we, if we don't want to expand the church, right? What, what do we do? All right, Christians, you've been here for three years now. Time to go. We got to make room for these new Christians here. You're out. You're getting old. Does that sound like a good idea? No, the reason why we bring celebrities, I know we don't really like to talk about that, we call them friend days, is to make it easier to allow new people to come to church who don't normally come to church. The reason why we expand our campuses and the reason why we have satellite campuses is because we're not satisfied, we're not okay with people going to hell. We're not And you shouldn't be either. I shouldn't be either. We should be every single person, every single person we encounter should be in our back of our minds. Man, I got to, I I need to say something. We should feel convicted inside of us. Just like Paul. I don't care. I'm just going to say whatever's going to, I'm going to say. That's Acts. That's it. Another excuse that we have is, is, um, is, is this. Um, sometimes, in, in general, and, and I, I, I don't know if I can apologize on behalf of the universal church. When I say universal church, you guys understand that? Um, the, the whole church, church together, right? It's, it's not just cornerstone and mission. We're all one church, right? Uh, in, in some of the, the creeds, it says the Catholic church, right? And you're like, well, I'm not Catholic. It's, again, universal church. That's what that means. Um, and I, I can't apologize on behalf of all of our churches, the universal church. But sometimes, um, and even here, we, we focus too much on the number of plants that are grown, instead of the number of plants that will grow. And, and what I mean by that is this, is that sometimes we feel like there's too much pressure that, all right, in five minutes, I got to share my testimony and I got to lay my hands on you and then you got to win your heart and confess to God right now. That's not possible. And again, I'm trying to give you something practical, right? We celebrate a lot when we have salvation, prayers, and baptism. We do. We celebrate. Um, I love it when we have those yes tables out because I know that the Holy Spirit's going to be doing something incredible that day. Incredible stories that happen that pour into into, um, our offices and prayers. And we're praying for everybody. I love that. But what we don't celebrate, again on friend day, they're like, oh, I don't know if you guys sometimes count, like, oh, there's only 10 people that raise their hand. You guys ever do that? Oh, that, that means Lynn didn't do, do a good job. But we forget about the seeds that are being planted. We forget about the, the, the plants that are being watered or the seeds that are being watered. And eventually, God will make it grow. 
See, I, I think there was a lot of times that there was this pressure above us. All right, I'm going to gain the courage. I'm going to gain the courage. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. All right, I'm going to go out. And then, and then it just doesn't happen, just like with Paul. It, it, it doesn't happen. That's okay. The seeds are planted. It's being watered. See, too many times we try to take people from A to Z. And we don't celebrate enough when we just say, when we talk to our brother who doesn't know Christ and has fallen away, that you know what? It's just a little step in the right direction. And then six months later, you take them to, from B to F. That's totally fine. And someone else takes them just a little step. That, that's fine. That takes the pressure off of us. It's okay when you don't do a good job. The seeds are planted. Um, by the way, <clears throat> when I talk about it's not my spiritual gift, it, it is a spiritual gift. That's what, that's what God has called us to do. You may not be, uh, just because you may not be Michael Jordan doesn't mean you can't play basketball, right? Right? Hey, you want to play uh, two on two? I can't. I'm not Michael. What? That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? Oh, I got to practice first. And then I got to shoot some hoops. And then if I, if I get like a 98% accuracy, then I will go. No. Same thing. Evangelism. Just because you're not a Billy Graham. We're not calling you to be Billy Grahams. That's okay. You, you can be, I don't want to say an amateur, but you, you, you can be uh, just shaky in it. That's all right. That's okay. How about this? Have you heard this before? Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Anybody hear that before? Um, they attribute that to uh, Francis of Assisi. Uh, and uh, it's kind of saying, oh, uh, I, I let... My actions share the gospel, right? I'm opening the door. You don't know this, but I'm sharing the gospel. And, and the reason why I, I say that's, that's not a good excuse is that what, what if Jesus gathered the 5,000, fed everybody, and just said, thanks for coming. Didn't share the gospel. Is he not preaching the gospel through his actions? Well, what if we were to just remove all everything that he preached about, Sermon on the Mount, and just said, all right, all right, all right. It, it, it's fine. Just what his actions. How about this? Have you ever played the game Pictionary before? There's a reason why it's a game. Because actions can be confused. We have the English language. There's a reason why it's there. And so we should use that language to be clear and clearly communicate why we're doing these things. Action. Words. Combined. All right. Um, let me read uh, what Paul talked about. All right, so open up your Bibles again. This is uh, chapter 26. Paul, again, is at the last um, in court again. He's moving around. 
Let's look at how Paul shared his testimony. And then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against the accusations of the Jews. Sounds like law and order, right? And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So he continues with this testimony. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life to my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. Paul was one of them. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see, fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night, King Agrippa. It is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convicted that I ought to do all that was possible to the oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This is, this is before he, he knew Jesus, right? And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of my lords of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Paul was a murderer. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blasphemy. So I was obsessed with persecuting them that I hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was about to go to Damascus with the authority and commission of, our, of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa was, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. And I heard, excuse me, blazing around me and my companions, we all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'll sending, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those that are sanctified by faith in me. Um, we're going to skip a little bit and start in uh, verse 28. Paul is doing a good job in sharing his testimony. He's doing a good job. And it says in verse 28, Again, right? We're, we're, we're like, all right, all right, brother. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to share the gospel to you. All right, we're praying all night, right? Holy Spirit, come, right? All right, I'm just praying. I'm fasting. Okay, I'm going to have that conversation with that person, that coworker, whoever it is. And then, have you guys ever had this um, been dropped on you? Verse 28, then Agrippa said to Paul, uh, do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul had that response. 
And this is the reply that we should always have. Again, planting the seed, watering the seed. Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. That's what Paul is saying. He's sharing his testimony. This isn't the first time that story he actually told in the beginning of, uh, of Acts, uh, somewhere in 22 or 23. He shared the same thing. And, and that's what we got to do. For those of you who are businessmen or businesswomen, um, you guys have heard of an elevator speech before, right? Anytime you have an opportunity to share about your business, to promote it, to find investors, you have an elevator speech. By the time you're on the ground floor to the floor, you should have a testimony, a story of why that person should be bought into your company or why they should go to your store. Elevator speech. And that's the same thing with the testimony that as Christians, I believe that we're responsible for sharing our testimony. What you to mention, what a testimony is. How God has changed your life. Or why you know God is real. For those of you who lived in a Christian home, I know a lot of the times it's hard for us to come with a testimony because a lot of testimonies are, oh, I went to summer camp, all right? The the speaker was great. I came down and I prayed a prayer. Then I was saved. And then Christians who kind of grew up with that, was like, I never had that light bulb moment. I didn't either. I never had, for me, my faith was always gradual. And so typically what I testify about, it's, hey, this is why I know God is real. That's your testimony. And, and we do that all the time, don't we, with restaurants and movies? Right? It's, it's, all it is is simply, oh, this is a quick review of why you should go to that restaurant. And if our faith is personal and we truly believe in God, then we should know why God is real. And we should be able to communicate that. Um, and, and a great way, and I love this outline here, he gave, and it, it took, what, three minutes to read through this, if that? Paul said, hey, this is what I was before I knew Christ. This is what I was before. This is, this is the character I was. I was a scumbag. I, I was a sinner. This is what I struggled with. He talked about how he was a Pharisee. And then he talked about all of a sudden, Jesus came in my life and it changed me. And this is why you need to believe. That's all a testimony is. We, we see this on TV all the time. It's easy to give a testimony. It's, as seen on TV, black and white. Remember that? Before I had the Snuggie, it was hard for me to reach the remote while I'm trying to snuggle underneath the blanket. Now, my life has changed. It's color. Everything's clean, right? Smiles. Look, my blanket has sleeves. Testimony. Before Jesus, this is what I was. After Jesus, this is what I am now. And somebody said, oh, um, as I don't have everything right yet, that's okay. You can say, I believe that Jesus is true, and I'm going to be honest with you. You can say this, I still struggle. I know you're struggling right now, but I, I still struggle. 
I, I don't have everything right yet, but I know that, that Jesus is there to carry me whenever I struggle. Acts 1.8. Let me share this story. Uh, there's this guy. Any, anybody who's Dutch here? Anybody Dutch? Is anybody Dutch here? Yeah, a few people. There's actually a big Dutch community here, right? It's, it's weird. I never realized they, were, they exist. And this guy definitely is Dutch because his name, name is Andrew Vanderbilt. Right, that you just know they're Dutch. If those of you who who know that, and um, he's known by Brother Andrew, um, and he's. Let me read this. He was witnessing to the Taliban. He goes overseas, and he says this. Someone asked him, "How do you get access to the Taliban?" Vanderbilt replies, "I just go there." I find out where they live. I show up at the doorstep. Then they ask what I come for, and I tell them about Jesus. And he says this, we become too diplomatic and careful in our approach. Next week, I hope to visit the Taliban again. They now say, Anne, this is your second home. One day, and he continues on, I visited a large, notorious Koran school where 90% of the graduates immediately joined the ranks of the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. A war factory of human weapons targeting to wage war against the infidels. I arrived at a square where hundreds of these students waited in line for military exercise. The head of the school and minister of the government gave a short talk and suddenly, without any warning, handed the mic to me and said, Ann, it's your turn. I was surprised. I came to visit, that's what he said. He didn't know that he was supposed to give a speech. He didn't know. But here was an opportunity. I told them about Jesus. He said, I believe every Christian should be able to speak about his faith in Jesus unprepared for at least 15 minutes. It will be a pity to waste such an opportunity. After my talk, the leader of the Koran school, also a high official in the Taliban and government circles, came up to me and said, Ann, would you please come back and tell us more about Jesus to our graduating class? I asked the leader how many guys he had in his final class, and he said 1,300. This is an amazing mission field. This is why we should be prepared. I think every day God provides us opportunities to share the gospel um, in, in car accidents, in, in bad situations, right? I think we talked about that. In bad situations when it seems like the walls are caving in or, or it seems like uh, there's, there's somebody there who, who shouldn't be there. And all of a sudden God is just saying, share the gospel, share the gospel. It is a pity to waste such an opportunity. It's a pity. Um, that's why we need to be prepared. Acts 1.8. Sharing the gospel to the ends of the world. That's on us. On all of us. It's the great commission. It's what we're called to do. It's our purpose here. 
That's why we have these seats. That's why we bring in celebrities. That's why uh, we do all this. And this shouldn't be on the shoulders of Pastor Lynn, that we should rise up as people who believe that there is a heaven and hell and believe that Jesus is here to save all, not just me, not just you, but people who don't even dare set foot in church. That's what we're out to do. That's what we should do. We should always be prepared no matter what. And I love at the end of Acts, the very last verse, the testimony of Paul, the very end of Acts, it says this. He proclaimed the kingdom of God about Paul. Romans 8, Romans 28, 31. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's it. It ends Acts and that's it. We don't, we don't know what happens to Paul at the end of Acts. We, we don't. But oh my goodness, what if that verse was read to each one of us when we enter the pearly white gates of heaven? Without any hindrance, they shared the gospel. Without any hindrance, they, they shared this person, my son, my daughter, was unashamed of it all and changed lives. That's what we're called to do. We should be bold. Why? Not on our own strength. The Holy Spirit is guiding us to do it. And if it fails, who cares? It's fine. But why risk them going to hell? Why do that? It doesn't make any sense. If we believe there's a heaven, there's a hell. If we believe there's Satan, there's a Jesus that overcomes it all. You can clap. It's fine. Hey, let's be excited about the gospel. That's what it is. It's living. It's breathing. This is living and breathing today. We should be excited. I actually had a look up Brother Andrew. I'm like, this guy is dead, right? This guy has to be. He got shot. I mean, come on. It's the Middle East. He's still living today. He's old, but he's still living. I think he's in his 80s now. He's still living, bold, proclaiming unashamed. That's what we should all be. That's what Acts is about. And guess what? We're a continuation of that church. We're the body of Christ. We got to step it up. We're not satisfied with just the 6,000 people here. We're not. We're not satisfied with just Santan and just Scottsdale and just Chandler. We're not until every single person knows about Jesus, we're not satisfied. And that's not on Pastor Lynn. That's not on us as staff. That's on us as Christian people who love Jesus with all our heart and are not satisfied until every single person, every single soul is there for Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, God, we are so excited, God. And I really hope that we are fired up here. Six months of Acts and we come to this conclusion. Lord God, allow the power of the gospel to live in us. Allow scripture to be living and breathing and active as it says in, in, in the Bible. But let that be in us. Let us be empowered by, by you, by the Holy Spirit. Let us be unashamed, God. Let us feel convicted by anybody we encounter. Let us take baby steps. Let us show Satan that this world isn't his, but it's for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Empower us, speak through us, let us be unashamed. The gospel is real. 
let us share it. Lord God, we pray this in your mighty and holy name. And everybody says loudly, amen. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Remember Ten Commandments next week. And uh, I believe you are free to go now. So thank you.